Let's pray. Again, <laughs> Father, we thank you so much for, Lord, that uh, you've described yourself and the first word that you used to describe yourself was the Lord, the Lord, compassionate. Lord, thank you that you're compassionate first and out of that flows your grace. We just bless you for who you are. And Lord, your glories are far above the things that even as we glorified you today and all the amazing things of your creation, its complexity in, uh, in both directions. And, and Bill asked, what would your glory be like? And if all of your creation just pales to who you are. And, and Lord, we're yet to, to be able to see all of that. But Lord, we pray that you would just continue to open our eyes as we continue to walk with you, talk with you, and uh, we just ask that you would speak to us yet again. Lord, even as you have in our worship, we pray that you would continue to bless us with your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. I am going to continue uh, in the same pursuit as I did two weeks ago. Um, Using this verse out of First Timothy, uh, Paul's admonition to Timothy, and the goal of our instruction is love, and that's love with a pure heart and a clean conscience and a sincere faith. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna tackle that again uh, by looking at a story that we all know so well that I hope you'll really pay attention and listen this time. So. <laughs> What'd you say? Um, Richard, come stand up here close. close so. Um, so let me read it first, and then um, most of you will know exactly where it comes from, and I'll read it again in a different translation in case you weren't listening closely the first time. And Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Y'all kind of dialed in already? I figured you would be. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. But you must master it. For those of you that haven't already turned to it, it's Genesis 4, verses 2b through 7. So if you want to look at it again, if you haven't already memorized it or something, uh, I'll read it out of another version just so we can see, uh, maybe hear something different this time. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, and while Cain cultivated the ground, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, 
but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. So there's the the thing we're going to look at today. Um, what was that second translation? New Living, New Living Translation, NLT. Uh, so here we are in the second chapter, fourth chapter of Genesis, second generation of mankind, and we know the story so well. We're not surprised that we already know the part that's not read. We're already having murders in the second generation of mankind. Um, so um, the story progresses, and as one might conclude, um, that one occupation sounds like it might be better than another. Let me finish, Greg. Let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> that maybe Abel's is better than Cain's. Um, but this only really shows, their occupation really only shows their orientation to life. I mean, think about it. Cain just picked up his dad's family business. I mean, he's the oldest son. Son? I built this. This is what we're going to do. Yes, Dad. <laughs> but that was his orientation. That was his introduction. Both, we know, are both noble occupations. It's good to be a shepherd. It's good to be a farmer. Or, let's say, a, a rancher. That gets all the all the other animals in as far as keeping. So, um, so what happens here is we just see the nature of Cain unfold. And he's the one who's had really the promising uh, beginning, firstborn. A, uh, his, wife, uh, his wife, his mother says, with the help of the Lord, I've gotten a man-child. I mean, he is the hope of the next generation. Um, but, and it seems like, you know, that his life really lines up more with the curse that... Um, was put upon his dad, Adam. You know, God said this, the ground is cursed because of you, Adam. All your life will be a struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. But Abel's life, on the other hand, was oriented more towards life, living, caring for things that are alive. You know, he was a shepherd. Um, to have dominion over something, living sheep in his case. Um, so as we continue through the story, it says, so it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Some, some translations say some of, his, some of the fruit of the ground. Abel on his part also brought of the first things of his flock and their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he had not any regard for Cain and his offering. 
Um, so, you know, you read this story for the first time and you're like, well, if you all can remember the first time you read it, it's like, well, how, how can such a judgment be made? There's so, we know so little about these two men. It's like, what's, what's the problem here? You know, um, and so many commentary, earlier commentaries, it's like they start analyzing the men, the sacrifices, the time they were brought, um, and begin to extrapolate all these ideas about what the lesson is on this particular, this particular story we're supposed to get. But it's interesting as you go through the story, uh, it becomes clear that, wait, maybe God actually knows the beginning from the end and he knows everybody and knows their heart. Uh, and, you know, it's amazing that he's never changed. He still knows everybody's heart and everything that goes on. Um, but um, it seems to hear, as I've read this, as I've prayed about it, as I've read other commentaries, there is a timeless principle right here at the first of Genesis that, that God is establishing for us. Um, it, it seems like, you know, it would be easy to say in the course of time, because one of the arguments is time, but it seemed like that there was really a predetermined time, whether it was the family or the brothers or whatever, that they would bring this gift or this offering. So it's not that um, Abel saw Cain getting his his gift together and, and taking it to the Lord. And he's like, oh, well, big brother's doing that. Maybe I should do it too. It, it wasn't, it doesn't seem like it was that kind of thing at all. In course of time means there was a time when this was going to happen, probably at the end of harvest time or something like that. But it's interesting um, that most, most of the commentaries talk about Cain's offering is that he brought some of his, meaning that he just gathered some up and brought it as a really as as a duty of something that he needed to do. Whereas Abel um, looked at his flock and he chose the firstborn, and then he brought the best of the firstborn and he brought the fat portions. All these things point to the fact that. He had a regard for who he was bringing the gift to, um, and he moved in that direction and was trying to be pleasing and and took the time to think about the gift that he was going to give. Um, he gave really of something that was the future of his well-being, the continuation of his flock, um, and recognizing really that God should be honored and get the best. Um, one, of the com one of the commentators said that it wasn't until Luther that, that people began to recognize, I guess, the way Luther commented on this, that people began to recognize the significance of this passage is in the order that it's written. Um, so I, I'm going to read one part of it again here, and let's see if we can pick this up, which... It's pretty obvious, I think, but, you know, I've been thinking about this for three weeks now, two weeks now. So, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. 
anything strike you about that? How in the world do they know whether God had regard for them? That's coming later, but we'll go ahead and talk about it. I have that same question. Well, we don't know. My, my thought, one of the commentaries said the fire came, a fire came down and consumed Abel's, but that's conjecture. I would have to say in Preston's commentary that... It was probably like Enoch. It's like something bore witness in Abel that he was pleasing to God. And for Cain, he didn't he didn't get that sense. What what we do know is they knew, they both knew that one was favored and one was not. How they knew, um, there's nothing that I've read so far. Have you read anything to that effect, Greg? You told me to be quiet. That was on the <laughs> other thing. You didn't say anything. I just looked at your face. <laughs> but anyway, backing up here, it's the order. God looked where first? At the person. At the person. Thank you. At the person. And then he looked at the offering. And therein, to me, is the great thing, for, for at least for me, to take away. Um, and that's borne out um, in, in here. Let me see if I can find where. Oh, here we go. Hebrews 11.4 sums it up this way. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Now, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit, so it was by faith. It was by faith. So God saw something in this man before he even looked at the offering. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. Continue reading in Hebrews 11.4. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Um, and herein to me is one of the, the things for us to take away, if nothing else today. Um, <coughs> God looks on the heart. You can bring your you can bring your finances, you can you can sing the songs. You can do good deeds for other people, expressions of love, but he's looking at you and me first, and then at whatever our action, our our, our deed is that comes from that. Um, so, you know, I, I just really think that um, for me, as I've thought about it, it's like, wow, it's just, he's always looking at the heart. He's always after the heart. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I try to do the right thing, but lots of times it's not quite with the right motive or the right attitude, you know. Uh, and Cain's attitude shows up, you know. Okay, he got angry. No, he didn't get angry. He got very angry. Um, 
And so therein begins to show out Cain's lack of faith in that in that response and that rejection. You know what should have happened if he really loved God? He should have been remorseful. And um, as I've learned studying my Hebrew, thanks to Richard, um, the word shuv, which means to turn back. He should have turned back instead of being angry. He should have turned back and said, what was wrong? How can I, how can I turn, how can I be better? He didn't do that. He did not do that. And so you go on and you read this, this next part of it, and it's like, um, it's just like we, you know, when you were talking earlier about the, the name that God has, that next section where God says, why are you so angry? The Lord asked him, why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door and has its desires for you that it can control you. So it wasn't it wasn't so much a rebuke as this compassion of God said, I need to have a conversation with Cain. I need to give him some counsel about going forward in life here. Really? Cain? <laughs> Just turn around and do what's right. And your countenance will be lifted up. Things will go well. I'll be pleased with you. But he was very angry. You know. Um, he said, if you don't do that, the reason your whole family is out of the garden is this sin, is this rebellion. So if you don't do right, sin is crouching, at, it's waiting, it's looking for an opportune time to pounce, crouch to pounce, um, because it wants you. The enemy wants us. It wants to control us, particularly us believers. What better way to bring down the glory of God if his children don't reflect who he is? You know, it's part of the reason the church has a bad name, you know, is we haven't mastered that. <laughs> so he gives him this counsel, but he's very angry. And we know the rest of the story. Um, we know that his deeds continue to be evil. He didn't take God's counsel. And, uh, you know, he, 1 John 3.11 says this about him. First of all, it says this, For this is the message we have heard, you have heard from the beginning. You're to love one another. Not as Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And for what reason did he murder him? Because his own e deeds were evil, but his brothers were righteous. You know, bad people hate good people. They're just, they just don't like them because they're good. Something in them. Jude continues when he's talking about... Um, people that have gone the way of Cain. There's a phrase in Jude that says, that have gone the way of Cain. And basically it means those that are rebellious, self-willed, um, and unbelieving. 
So that's that Cain was the beginning of a godless society in generation two of, of mankind. He was the beginning. So sin still stands that way today, um, ready to control us, ready. You know, it lies behind every temptation, just waiting to see what we're going to do with a invitation, with a temptation. Envy and jealousy, thoughts, desiring to turn some action of anger into a thing of not willing the good of the other person. Um, so his anger, his angry thoughts turned to angry actions and he murdered his brother. So we're still getting advice about how to master sin in the New Testament. Um, you can read the whole um, chapters of chapter six and seven of Romans. Um, since every, since um, I guess Jessica knows everything about all different parts of the body, she's memorized, at least had memorized <laughs> at one time, first eight chapters of Romans. So, but chapters six and seven are sound so easy the first time you read them. Oh, this is so logical. And then you keep reading them and they get harder and harder. It's like, yeah, yeah, this is... But there is there in chapter 6, starting in verse uh, 12, four reasons, four ways of mastering sin. Um, the first one is do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Well, that sounds pretty easy. Just don't give in. <laughs> well, I had problems with that this weekend. <laughs> so that's number one. Work towards that. Number two, verse 13. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of sin. Well, is that not the same thing? Well, yes and no. I mean, the, you don't want to give in in the mental part first, right? So capture the thought in your mind in verse 12. And then the next one in verse 13, you won't have to work on it so hard. The next verse. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. Now we have... There's, there's a way... There's a way where maybe we could say in Cain's time, you know, he didn't he didn't know about Jesus yet. You know, the redemption hadn't happened yet. But we have a way now because of Christ. And then lastly in the next verse, use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Things we sung about this morning, things we've talked about this morning. Um the desire is there. We all desire that, right? I desire to live for the glory of God. Um, you know, it, God in His mercy, He did bring sin, the, the sin of Cain before Him. He warned him of the danger. He pointed a way of escape. But, you know, Cain was very angry and he... He had set his course. Um, 
he chose poorly. He did not master sin, and envy and jealousy nurtured his angry thoughts, as I said earlier, into angry deeds. He murdered his brother. And then his anger actually became directed towards God. You know, the fear of God just was not in the man, you know. He he made this insolent reply when when later on when God asked him, Where's your brother? He said, My brother? I don't know where he is, and I'm not responsible for him. Uh, not quite the right answer to the Almighty, you know. And he so he cast off responsibility for that. And so, you know, God God responded to Cain this time. Here's your punishment, here's the curse. You shall have cropless soil, and you shall be a wanderer, and you shall be banished from the presence of God. For not taking the counsel, you know. So Cain became a wanderer, and then he defied even that. He settled. He settled. The Bible says he settled in the land of Nod. He settled there. So he left God's presence and traveled east and settled in that place. So, you know, as I've been thinking about this, I'm thinking, well, wow, Lord, love with a pure heart. You know, I'm not so sure my heart is pure, you know. How am I going to ever get there? You know, there's a Proverbs that says, who can say... Proverbs 29 says, Who can say, I have made my heart pure? I am clean from my sin. I said, yeah, I get it. But Proverbs 28, 17 says this, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. And our hope has not been cut off because Jesus came and he did everything that was necessary. Everything that was necessary. He lived that life that we couldn't live. He took on himself our sin, our inability to master sin. And he took on the curse for that, paid the price, experienced our death, and God accepted that. God looked on a man's heart that was pure and righteous, raised him from the dead, and now the God-man sits at the right hand of the Father. So there's our hope. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, as I just have thought about this, it just seems to me that um, we have a power now, the power of the Holy Spirit to, to master this. And it's, it's always choices. It's just always choices. Do we love God enough? Does He stay in the forefront of, in our mind of who He is 
and who we are representing here in the earth enough that we can we can resist and subdue that first the desires you know um, he's given us a new heart <laughs> he's given us a heart that desires to be pure and so the way I look at it it's like you know the that scripture about guard your heart guard your heart guard your heart for from from it flow the issues of life protect it watch over it capture those things that are tempting those things that most of us know we've walked with God long enough it's like watch out <laughs> we, we just know there's a choice there and it's it's loving God above ourself enough to choose wisely to choose wisely so uh, as we walk this year you know as I said a couple of weeks ago my desire is that we that our love grow more and more pure that our conscience are express it you know with a clear conscience and faith that it's for God's glory not for our own and so I think, you know, as I said a couple of weeks ago, the more and more we together can be that way individually and as a church, then more and more I think he will continue to just release and release and release because um, I can trust these guys. I can trust these people that they're going to they're going to be righteous in their love. They're going to be pure in their love. Um, and the way we get tested is hard, hard people to love. <laughs> and that's, that's, where we, that's where we learn to grow, you know. So, but the best place to begin is to begin right here with people that are easy to love. And so let's do that as much as we can. All right. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are compassionate and that you are... Um, you saw your people as sheep without a shepherd and you came and you shepherded us and you continue to do it and with compassion with grace uh, and with power and we thank you for that father let us let us yield to those things that you offer us and we pray father that as we go forward individually and as a people that more and more um, it would be all for you. It would really be all for you. And we would be out of the way more completely each day. In Jesus' name, amen.